we're talking about a subject of comparing and judging people, right? Comparing and judging. That's, that's, that's one of the, the key sins of those of us who have been Christians for a long time. And especially if you've been in the church for any period of time, it's probably maybe a sin that you are familiar with. And we want you guys to talk about that and wrestle with that with your, in your families and across the ministries. And to just help discuss that, we have a couple of movie suggestions. If you have kids, you may want to watch Toy Story together with them. It's an absolutely terrific movie. Both the movies we're asking you to watch are fantastic movies. Um, but the other one is a little bit older movie, and maybe a lot of you guys haven't seen it, and maybe it won't seem like it's interesting to you. And so because of that, we're going to show you a clip, and it's a lot more interesting than you think. This movie is Amadeus. It's from the early 80s, and it won Best Picture Academy Award. It's an absolutely fantastic movie, and it's fantastic music in it. Um, and the movie, I'll just set this up a little bit. The movie is about a guy named Salieri, who is a famous composer of his day, but he is he's very judgmental, and he looks down upon Mozart, but at the same time can't stand the fact that God seems to have blessed Mozart far more than him, all right? And um, we just want to show you a little clip to, uh, um, so you, to just get your appetite on this. And hopefully you might want to watch this movie. It's a long movie. If you don't want to watch the whole movie, just watch the first 40 minutes or so. And you will totally get, I think, um, what we're talking about this week. All right? That's Salieri.
that interesting? It's a little dim there, but um, if you're interested, go watch the movie, okay? First 40 minutes. All right, let's go to the Bible, please. Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. And we've been in this series now, part four. And um, I'm, I'm going to read the, the story one more time. And in particular, let me ask you to pay attention to the latter portion and especially the words of the older son. That without what the older son says and especially his attitude. I want you to try to catch his attitude, okay? So... Let's start with this, at verse 11, where Jesus tells the story. Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Now many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything... A severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he rose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now listen to this conversation. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look! These many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him? And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Let's pray for today's message. 
Lord, today I'm going to talk about something that uh, it could be hard to hear for some. And it is about the sin of comparing. Almost certainly, well, not almost certainly, we certainly, we are all guilty of this sin. Um, but especially those of us who look at the church, who look at the church too narrowly, who only think of the church for people like us that are scrubbed nicely on the outside and look like we are nice, good Christian people, Lord. I pray that you would especially shatter those of us who think like that, that that this house, your church, is a place is a place for lost younger brothers and is a place in which older brothers must learn to repent and have a different kind of heart. I pray that you would reach into our hearts and help us repent of the sin of comparing and make us a new people and make this house ready and willing and embracing toward younger brothers who long to come home to your Father, to you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Three parts of today's message. Part one, I'm going to entitle, I am not like him. Okay, I'm going to call part one, I am not like him. Part two, I'm going to talk about an issue that I'm going to call different baselines. Different baselines or different w- ways that where, where are different people coming from. And three, I'm going to talk about the power for repentance. Okay, The power for repentance. First, I am not like him. I want you to go to the passage and listen to what the older brother says. You know, we're in this series, The Parade of Fools, and this older brother, he sees himself. Think of, look at how he sees himself. Look at the things he, he claims about himself, and look at the way he looks at the younger brother. Now listen. Let's go to verse 29. Listen to this. This is what he says to his father. He is upset that his father has expended so much money and so much energy to receive this stupid younger brother home. This younger brother, in his mind, is just so is such a loser. And, and in some ways, he really is a loser. We're talking about a guy who took a third of his family's wealth and utterly just wrecked it and lost it. Wrecked his life, and now he's coming home and his older brother is not too pleased by that. But listen, he says this. These many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. So first, his, the picture of himself. I am good. I obey. I always did what you said to do. Hmm? That's the first way he looks at himself. But then look at the way he looks at his brother. Verse 30. When this son of yours, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him? But when this son of yours came, who devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him? And listen to this. In my mind, as I'm listening to this, he goes this. This son of yours who has devoured your property with prostitutes. I'm not like him. There we go. See? This guy's a loser, and I'm not like him. 
This guy is a sinner, and I'm not like him. This guy is far and lost, and I'm better. (laughs) Why can't you see that? Why can't you bless me? I'm the one who's doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not like him. You know, this issue, this issue, I don't, I know that some of you really aren't, aren't really quite like this. Um, I think there's something, there is, a, the Lord is coming into our church. The Holy Spirit is in our church, and I think He is really moving in the midst of us. And there's a number of you I don't think are like this, and it's because the Holy Spirit is working in your hearts to help you see your need for Jesus. But when we come into church, you know, how do you even look at it? When you think about the gathering of people who are the church, the people who believe in, who say that they are believers of Jesus, that they know God or they are known by God, how do you look at who is supposed to be there, who, who belongs there at church? Right? And often, you know, there is there is a sense in many churches, and and it doesn't start off. You don't go around saying to himself, "I am a Pharisee." And that person is bad. I am a good Christian, and that person is a... Who, who actually says it that way? But it usually comes off in a more subtle voice. It's, I'm not like them. I'm not like him. I'm not like her. And oftentimes, Christians, we come into this circle of folks, and, you know, that we call the church, or we call Christians, and we begin to feel that we are very different than the other people outside of the church. And, and we may not put it this way, but we start to dissociate and we start to feel that we're different. And, you know, in one sense, we are very different from the, from the people who do not believe in Jesus. But it's, it's very interesting. It's very important in what way that the people who believe in Jesus know that we are, we are not like the people outside the church and in which we are like the way people outside the church. And that's part of what I would like to say to you today. When we compare ourselves to those who don't know the Lord, how do you think of it? In one sense, you'll say, I'm not like them, but what are the ways in which you don't think you're like them? Let me, let me ask you to flip over to chapter 18. This is such an important point that Jesus is repetitive on this. Jesus hammers his point. The Bible, the Gospels, especially the four Gospels, they just hammer this point again and again and again, and they don't say it explicit, but they keep showing it and demonstrating it. Right? Let's go to chapter 18, verse 9. This is Jesus. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. In other words... They looked at themselves as good and they compared themselves to others that saw themselves as lower. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. It's a very famous story and probably many of you know it. I want you to hear it again. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. 
But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Then this is what Jesus says. I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other guy. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. But especially listen to this. The guy who can't even look up, the guy who can't even, who barely even just can think that he belongs in the temple there, Jesus says that is the one that God looks at and says, you know, you're good. (laughs) You're clear before me. That's what Jesus teaches. And I know that many of you, you properly know that you're a sinner just like everybody else. But you know what? That's not how you all you feel. That's not how we feel, is it? You meet people outside the church, and sometimes they, they don't look like they'd be Christians whatsoever. Maybe they dress funny. Maybe they do things to their hair. Maybe they pierce their bodies or have tattoos, and they do things, and they don't look like us. They don't look like nice, scrubbed-up people that go to church. And... But do you, when you look at them, do you say, I'm not like him or I'm not like them? Or do you actually, when you look at people, they may very, they, they, they're not Christians. They don't go to church. You know, they may sometimes maybe even know they have kind of a wild, uh, wild lifestyle. You know, they may have a morally chaotic lifestyle. But do you look at them and say this instead? I want to challenge you to say, instead of saying, I'm not like him. Instead, in one sense, you're right. Maybe they don't believe in Jesus. And in this way, you can say, I'm not like him. But how about this? Look at that person and say, I am like him. I am like him. In what way are you like him? The way you are like him is this. That inside of you, there's something so messed up. This person doesn't doesn't regularly feel that they have, are in need of a Savior, that they are in need of someone to come and help them in the, in the most, in, in the deepest way that they are helpless. And especially when we say this, I'm not like him, you know, you know what it is about you? It's because you don't feel, this is so weird, I know this is what makes people older brothers, what is the thing that makes a Pharisee a Pharisee? It's this. Deep in yourself, you don't feel that you are wretched like this guy who comes and you can't even look up. It's strange. I would say a lot of the times people come into church. Are you comfortable and happy at church because you show up and you're like, gosh, this is the place where when I show up here, the one who died for me and utterly paid for all my sins, he welcomes me here. Even though I am so messed up, even though I committed this, this, this sin, and I know I'm pretty dirty, I'm really ugly, he embraces me. It's because he embraces me, that's why I can be happy to be here. Is that how most Christians walk into church? Or... Do most Christians walk into church and they're comfortable there? Why? Because other people that are like them are there. 
I'm a Christian, and this is church, and this is sort of my place. And so you just show up there, and other people are like you that are there. Let me ask you to do this. I want to just challenge you one of these days. Just consider this. I want you to just, just maybe one of these days when you're on a trip, and I'm going to just even give you permission to do this. One of these days, be absent from our own church. I'm, I'm serious, right? Be absent from our own church, and I want you to go to a church where people are very different from you, right? Go to a church where people look nothing like you, their race is different than you. Go to a, pl- go to a church that where, where the, the building looks nothing like this, where they dress very differently than you, where their clothes are very different than you. Maybe they're a lot poorer than you. Go there. Maybe they look a lot more messed up than you. Go there and walk into the church. And if you can say, Jesus is here, and they praise Jesus, they lift up Jesus, can you be happy to be there? Or you look at them and go, man, I'm not like him. If you can't walk into a church, which is God's house, and be happy to be among messed up people who look nothing like you, and instead, the whole time, you don't maybe actually say this out loud, but you're, you're just really uncomfortable because you're saying, I'm not like him or her or her, him or them. Then let me just propose to you, you're a lot more like the older brother than you think. Because you're like this. <laughs> there are people. One of the reasons why people don't, people outside of the church don't want to come into church is because they just feel like this isn't a place that everybody looks down upon them because they feel like this. There are sometimes people come into the church and they can feel everybody who is like a pharisaical person looking at them or saying, gosh, I got, I've, I'm pierced up. And everybody's going to look at me. Or I smell of cigarettes. Or I did dope last night. Or I was drunk last night. Or I slept around last night. Or whatever. (laughs) And these people, if they were to know that, I don't think they'd want to hang out with me. They feel this. They can feel the other people saying to them, even though they don't quite saying to them, I'm not like you. But what they really need, what they really need is they need older brothers to realize that you are like them. Because that's what the Bible teaches. Ultimately, there's something in this. The older brother says this, I never disobeyed your command. I, you know, he's an idiot. Of course he has. But the fact that he says that, he doesn't understand just the very fact that he says that or thinks that, that there's his righteousness is so bad that his righteousness is sin. Isn't that crazy? His obedience is actually marred with his self-righteousness, and self-righteousness is sin. So isn't that weird? His righteousness is self-righteousness, which just means his righteousness is sin. And when he doesn't... Re- so what we need are older brothers when they see that person come into the church, that person who's uncomfortable. Maybe they don't, they're not, it's not really obvious, but they come into the church and they're kind of squirming and they're not sure they belong there. But somehow, some way, 
God drew that person into our midst. And when that person comes in, what they need is people to say, not I'm not like you, but welcome because I am like you. Desperately in need of a Savior. Because what we typically tend to do is we compare ourselves. We compare by looking at people on the outside. What do they look at on the outside? Their race. Their socioeconomic status. The way they dress. The way they talk. The way they act. How, how nicely and how well behaved they seemed. Do they have like the Christian lingo? You notice I I try not to speak in Christian lingo. I want to ask you, don't use Christian lingo, please. (laughs) You know, there's all kinds of weird ways that Christians talk. How about talking like normal, regular people, except then talk about our God as someone we desperately need. And they're going to go, you talk about God differently than most of the other normal Christians that I've met. These Christians that always make me feel weird. So this first thing, I am not like him. I am not like them. Please do not look at the outside only, but deep in a person's heart. You never know when they're walking in. They may have a hard hardness in their heart, thinking like, this stupid Christian stuff, I don't know. But, you know, my friend invited me to come, so I'll just humor him. Right? My mom wants me to go back to church and just, just okay. For once, I'll I'll just go. But maybe you never know when the person comes. And what they're actually looking for is just, just, just maybe, just maybe they'll be God. Not just a bunch of weird people that make me feel weird, but they'll be God. One of the big ways that that can change is when the people who are in the church, instead of looking at those outside the church, say, I'm not like you, properly We look into their heart and we look into our hearts. And we look at our comfort zones and our prides and all our, just where Jesus starts to become tepid and we start saying, oh, actually, I'm very much like you. Welcome. Let me join you. I'm glad you came here. Let me just, just be human. Which is to say, broken and needy of a Savior. That's point number one. Let me talk about point number two, which I'm going to call different baselines. This is a point I learned. um, I don't think I learned this until probably when I was in college or so. Um, And as a young, as 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 a teenager and as a boy, and it wasn't until I started becoming a young man that this perspective kind of came to me. And, and it really changed the way I look at people. It changed the way I look at people in a very huge way. And to get at this, I'm going to give you a little quote, short quote from you know, one of my favorite thinkers, that's C.S. Lewis. This is from his book, God in the Dock. Right? And what, it's saying, what he's saying is, when you look at people, when you look at people, how do you know where they came from? All right, so let me just listen. Take the case of a sour old maid who is a Christian, but she is cantankerous. She is a crabby, right, crotchety, 
cranky old, old lady, right? On the other hand, take some pleasant and popular fellow. But this guy's never been to church. You ever met people like this? You, you met someone who's a Christian, and when you meet them, you're like, <laughs> they're just, just who they are is, is uncomfortable and prickly, and you don't want to be around this person. But then you all know somebody else who is not a Christian, and this person is just so agreeable, and this person is funny and attractive, and you do want to be around. You, you, do you ever have this experience? Hmm? You know, it happens all the time. There are plenty of people in the church that, that have been in churches. Let me tell you, if I had to choose to spend a day with them, they would be right there at the bottom. It's like, nope. I would only spend time with them because it's work. Because I have to. But there's tons of people outside the church. If I, had to ch- if I would gladly want to hang out with them. You, you know what I'm talking about? You've ever heard this? This is what he's talking about. And listen, but this is the way Lewis puts it. And sometimes this really bothers people, that people outside the church are better human beings than people inside the church. But let me tell you, when I was younger, I, this used to really bother me and wonder, does this make Christianity false? Some people in the church actually start to feel like that might be true. And then some people outside the church, that's the reason why they don't believe in Christianity. They think everybody in, in the church should be these really nice people. But listen to this point. Who knows how much more cantankerous the old maid might be if she were not a Christian? And how much more likable the nice fellow might be if he were a Christian? You can't judge Christianity or Christians or people simply by comparing the product in those two people. You need to know what kind of raw material Christ was working on in both cases. Listen. Almost everybody I know, like 99% plus of them, okay? When there's something good in you, you're nice or you're agreeable or you're funny or you have certain kinds of talent, and then people praise you for them or people like you for them, you know who you attribute where you get that goodness from? To yourself. But when there's something bad in you, you know where you attribute that badness to? This is a habit in so many of us. You, you, you said, well, that badness, there's, there's always some kind of ex- good reason or excuse. Well, I'm like this. I was raised badly. right? Or I got bad genes. My dad... My dad is this lazy guy who has a proneness toward, toward uh, you know, addiction. And so, you know, I was never a really hard worker, and I have a certain proneness toward addiction. We, we want to uh, put these things on others, but when there's advantages in us, where there's something that's, that's good in us, we, we, we like to think that it's, it's from me. But when, it's, when there's things that are not so great about us, well, there's always good reasons for that. <laughs> It isn't from me. How about another way um, we, we, tend to, we, we tend to operate? Um, a lot of you, you know why you're really nice people? Well, you know why? It's because you had nice parents. It's because you went to a decent school. It's because you're middle class or upper middle class, at least. 
That's a, a lot of the reason why you, you turned out nice. That's a lot of the reason why you turned out nice. A lot of the reason you turned out nice is because your dad didn't beat you every single day and tell you you were stupid. Hmm? A lot of the reason you, didn't, you turned out nice is because mom didn't leave dad. And every single day after that, you didn't real you 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 were a kid who had this little who had this CD on repeat that you couldn't turn off. May, well, my, um, maybe I'm not lovable. Mom left. Maybe I'm not lovable. Mom left. Maybe there's something wrong in me. Mom left. Huh? You have a friend that is that's uh that's got the that you know, she's the person that always has to have a boyfriend, or always has to have a guy, or she's kind of sexually loose. And you look at this person, you're like, what's wrong with her? Like, why is she such a slut? Maybe you even use that word. Other people, maybe she even uses that word on herself. She'll laugh. I'm such a slut. She'll say that because, like, she's on boyfriend number four or something like that. And do you look at her and go, I'm not like her? But you know, you don't know that if you started with the baseline she started from, and if you had her dad, her dad who utterly neglects her, and you have her inner soul makeup, maybe you would be a lot lot like her. You would be a lot like her. It's just that when you feel lonely and you feel needy and you feel unloved, you just go to ice cream. <laughs> that's, that's your, you. She has to have a boyfriend. She has to have a man. And she maybe has to feel like she has to go all the way. You go to haagen But because you go to haagen you look at them on the exterior, you go, I'm not like her. But actually, in your soul, you are like her. <laughs> you are. Right? You just don't know it. But... Because you grew up in a nice middle class home and you came from a different baseline, you go around thinking, I'm not like this person. Try it sometime. Why don't you try going to a place? If you're the kind of person that would never get drunk, you don't even like alcohol, let me, I know the the pastor is actually going to say this. Go to a bar, (laughs) right? Go to a bar with your other teetotaler friends and order a Coke, fine, because you don't like beer, right? Go to a bar, sit there and look around, and I want you to look around at the person, look around at the woman who's got her skirt up to here, you would never wear your skirt up there, and her dress comes down here, and her boobs are coming out, and she's talking to the dude, and she's probably going to go home with him, and may and just sit there, and I want you to just think, I could be like her. Just do, try that. I, w- I really want you to try that. I've actually done this. I mean, I didn't go out of my way. When, um, when, when I was d- during my doctoral studies, because I'm, I'm a little weird. I don't like studying in a library because the library is a little too quiet and boring. I would study at a cafe all day. And then at night, I'd go, you know, I, I'm, I'm getting a, I, I need something a little stiffer than coffee. So I would actually go to a bar, okay? And bars, and it would be nice. I, I mean, not, not a fancy bar. I usually go to a place where I can get a good burger. So I'd go to like TGIF, and then all their seats would be taken, so I'd just go to the bar. And 
I would pull out my book. So I'd, I'd pull out this, this, this hardcore theology book, and I would order a Sam Adams because that's, that's a good beer. And I'd order a Sam Adams and read this book. And, and, this, and dudes would come up. Yo, dude, what are you reading there, man? And, and they'd sit down. And they'd ask me about it. I'd have my Bible there. <laughs> I'd have a hardcore theology book there, and I'd be, and I'd be studying this thing while I'm, 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 I'm eating my wings and drinking my Sam Adams. And, and a guy would sit down, and then he would go, "Oh, he goes, hey, I, I took a religion class when I was in college," and then he starts telling me some of his story, and I started realizing that some of his struggles with God, or some of the ways he thinks about the world, are questions I asked. Some of his doubts and skepticisms are things that I had problems with. And on the outside, he looks nothing like me. But on the inside, I realize I'm a lot like him. It's just that my parents were Christians, and I heard the gospel. And certain people loved me in Jesus. But this guy had not had that blessing. There was one particularly memorable day. Um, these two ladies sat down and said, Hey, what, what you reading there, honey? <laughs> right? They were actually rather young. And one of the, one of the women, she had, her skirt came up to there. And yes, her, her chest was coming out of her shirt. <laughs> and so I was kind of like, okay, try, try not to look at that part. <laughs> and the other one was smoking. And they, the two of them were there. These two, And they were friends. And I, they were there after... They were there after work. One of them, I don't think, I think one of them was there to pick up guys and the other one wasn't. Because the other one was married. At least I think she wasn't trying to pick up guys. I certainly hope she wasn't trying to because she was married. Because she told me so. And she started asking me about my book. And then she goes, oh. And then she started talking about her cousin who apparently came out of Catholic seminary because this is the way she could just connect. Right? And the other woman, the other woman the other woman, I think, she was done up better. That's why I wonder if she was there to pick up guys. Just try it. And while I was listening to them, I realized, you know, as she talked about God, she goes, you know, I sometimes go to church. The one that was married, she goes, sometimes I go to church when my, when my cousin invites me, and, and, and it's, it's nice. It's nice. It's nice to hear about God. Because... I like God. That's what she put it. I like God. <laughs> I like God and hearing about God. Right? And when I sat there and I listened to her say something like that, I said, I am like you. Right? Just try it. And maybe if you're not a bar kind of person, or maybe if, you, if you're a drinking kind of guy, maybe person and you, you might get drunk there, you might not want to go to a bar. Maybe you just need to go somewhere else, right? But the next time you hang out with someone who's not, who's, who's not a Christian and maybe makes you a little different, I want you to just say this. I'm like you. It's just that I got to hear about Jesus and the Holy Spirit helped me to see that Jesus is the Lord. And you're searching. You're longing. You're lonely <laughs> And you're trying to quench your loneliness. You're insecure. I'm like you. I'm insecure. 
Here you are doing your body up in a certain kinds of way because you want to be attractive. I do that too. Right? I'm like you. Okay? Say it. I'm like you. Try it. You know, um, I'm already offering you kind of a way. The third part of my message is the power to repent. Repentance. It's, it's not a popular word. Right? The power to repent. What makes a church beautiful? And when you really start to know that Jesus shows up and his spirit is in the midst of a, a people, you know how you start to know? Is when the older brother Pharisee types, the longtime Christians, they start to repent of this. They start to repent of comparing. They, instead of, you know, because we are different than the world, but the way we're different is not on the sinner scale. It's not on the insecurity scale. The way we will make ourselves the more the same is to drop, the, drop the, this comparison thing, drop the way that we make ourselves so weirdly different, is we start to show people we're actually a lot like you. And... This power to repent. Repent literally just means a transformation of mind. In the Greek, the word is metanoia. Meta means transform or change. It comes from that root. It's beyond. It's to go to some different place. And noia comes from of the mind. It's a transforming of the way your mind and of, your, of the way your heart is working. That's what's actually happening. And you know what needs to happen for Christians? Repentance is of life. Martin Luther said, all of life is repentance. And this thing where we keep separating ourselves off from the whole world because we think we're, we're scrubbed up and we're, we're, we're Christians and we're so different and we're going to make ourselves like this, we are different. But it's not because we're so scrubbed up and because we do church and because we, and we never disobeyed God. Right? It's not, that's not the way we're different. We're different because... We've met the one who saves us. That's what makes us different. Not because we're not like that. In all the ways that matter, as sinners deeply in need of a Savior, we are like that. And I already kind of offered you a pathway toward, but let me say, this is the last way I'm going to close. Right? Look. When everybody, when we come home to God, we're going to be wretched younger brothers and wretched older brothers. But compared to Jesus, do you realize that we are all younger brothers? And we all need to come home and feel, I'm not really worthy to be here. I'm not really worthy to be here. And imagine, and most people think, that when they show up at the church, so many people, when they come to the church, they feel like what they're going to get from either the pastor or from the other Christians is they're going to get something like what this older brother says. Hey, you don't really belong here. We don't, we don't say it out loud, but there's a signal from our own spokenness. But instead, what you need to understand is we're all younger brothers compared to Jesus. And very not like this older brother the oldest brother 
the oldest son, you know, because he's eternal. <laughs> the oldest son looked at all of us younger sons and he did not say, I'm so different than you and looked down upon us. Instead, he came down and made himself like us. He made himself like us and entered into us. He died for us on the cross. He paid for all our sins and He paid for the righteousness which is actually sin. And then what did He do? He welcomed. He had patience. He had compassion. He had gentleness. And He said, come in. Brothers and sisters, please always remember Jesus wasn't a Pharisee who looked down upon you. The greatest older brother had the heart of his father. He ran to us just like his father did. He paid for the party and then he invited us in and not only said, I'm not like you. You know what? I'm going to be just like you put on all the weakness without the sin and I'll be just like you. Let's pray. Some of us are harsh and judgmental and we can't help but look down. Sometimes we look down upon others because we think they're pharisaical. So then we'll be pharisaical looking down upon other people who are pharisaical. And Lord, but it's just such the normal drift. We like being in the, the Christian comfort zone bubble. We like being in the holy huddle. We like being with people who have the same skin color as us, the same socioeconomic background as us, who use the same kind of vocabulary as us, have the same education background as us. But I pray, Lord, that you would help us to put a seed in us where we can start to say, you know, I am like that person. You'd make us really odd because we'd be like you. Whether we're talking about kids who come out of juvie or we're talking about Native and Paiute, Paiute Native Americans who just came out of jail. Or we're just talking about our friend who went to college with us is an atheist or is an agnostic and lives with his girlfriend or lives with her girlfriend. Lord, who would begin to help us to give eyes, look into their heart and say, I am like you. Let me help you. Just have what I have, which is my Savior who welcomed me. Help us welcome others the way you welcomed us, Jesus. Help us have patience with them the way you have patience with us. Help us have gentleness with them the way you had gentleness with us. Help us repent, Lord, of our Phariseeism. Be recovering Pharisees, Lord before you. In Jesus' name.
give our offering and uh, just close out this last song. And the last song we're going to sing is Enough. And, uh, you know, uh, we're just like everyone, uh, but we have Jesus. And, uh, just like those people, uh, they need Jesus.